The need for more sustainable practices in food production is no longer in question. Climate change, bringing rising temperatures and sea levels, is impossible to ignore. And it's threatening the global food supply for the coming generations. But can innovative technology help save the day? And will it be available in time to make a difference? Farming and food technology experts in Denmark are optimistic. After all, technological innovation is a long Danish tradition. Welcome to the Food Nation podcast, stories of innovation and collaboration from the Danish food cluster. I'm Kath Mersch. So what is it that Danish technology can contribute to the green transition of global agri-food systems? This episode takes a look at what's going on in the fields, where food production starts, and what's happening in processing, where sustainable production practices are becoming a market differentiator. There's no doubt that automation and digitalization are the buzzwords on everybody's lips. No company understands that better than GEAR, one of the world's largest suppliers of food processing systems, and itself committed to achieving net-zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2040. Located in Subor, on the outskirts of Copenhagen, GEAR Process Engineering manufactures machinery for one of the most resource-intensive food processes there is. The production of powder products like infant formula, milk powder and instant coffee. This is where I found Rune Skogård-Pellersen, who is Technology Vice President. GEAR is a company that uh, provides technology and solutions for the food and pharmaceuticals and chemical areas. We uh, treat different products such as milk, protein, coffee extract, probiotics. We in Denmark are primarily focused on drying these uh, products to become powders. So we also known as the powder part of gear. So we have different drying technologies. We are very well known for the spray drying technology, where we have what we call the rotary atomizer, which atomizes slurry and makes sure that we can dry it in a big chamber. So it becomes small particles at the end, being milk and protein isolates or coffee and, and so on. Then we also have freeze drying technology, which is completely different. There we can dry also coffee, so it becomes freeze-dried instant coffee, and also probiotics and vegetables and fruit and so on. They maintain the flavor and also the structure by using this freeze-drying process. And finally, we have a, a technology like solid feed drying, which is used for, uh, for instance, wheat gluten. What Supo is all about is drying whatever you can imagine, basically. So if it's wet, uh, you can come to Supo and get it dried. The GEAR test centre in Subor is the largest of its kind in the world. It is here that food manufacturers can come and test new products for powder production before they invest in the equipment. That was one of the hammers that creates vibrations inside the centre's larger pilot spray dryers to keep the powder flowing. The test centre houses around 25 pilot plants in all. Many of the drying plants that GEAR sells are huge. So as you can imagine, there's an unrelenting focus on innovations that can reduce their carbon footprint and make ever better use of food raw materials. In order to get from a wet milk substance to a dry powder, it requires a lot of energy because it's a thermal process. 
uh, and there's not so much we can do about it in terms of bending the laws of physics. We can do a lot to reduce it. We can uh, reuse the excess heat on these plants and use it to heat up uh, other places in the process. And we can also uh, reuse water. The heat comes in the form of steam. Lots of it. We can see uh, there will be a substantial benefit for our customers in, in terms of uh, uh, reducing the steam demand on, on these plants. We are also working on a heat pump technology, which uses then electrical energy to achieve uh, the heating of the process. You can get electrical power from uh, more sustainable sources like wind turbines or, or solar panels and such. One of the pilot plants in the test centre is an industrial coffee extractor. Unlike a typical household coffee machine, which extracts around 20% of the coffee bean, Gear's optimised process extracts three times more for the production of coffee powder. Well, if you look at the, the process, it's already a sort of miniature circular economy. You burn the uh, leftovers and make sure that you have then steam to uh, fuel the process. And also you get uh, as much as possible out of the coffee bean. It's been around for a long time, but now we're just taking it to the next level by uh, implementing a sort of new process with more steps and higher temperatures and getting these high yields we are looking into doing a sustainability audit on whole plants because we are, as drying experts, very good at uh, optimizing our spray dryers and freeze dryers. But in order to obtain the biggest benefits uh, there, we also have to look at the complete plant and not only the process step that we deliver, so we have a team that can carry out these sustainability audits by analysing what goes on in the plant. Technology from processing system providers has enabled some of the world's biggest multinational food producers to cut their energy consumption, optimise product yield and reduce waste and emissions, with no compromise in food safety and quality. Automation has brought the food industry part of the way. Now the focus is on developing even smarter technology to meet goals for sustainable production. Gear has developed its Industry 4.0 solution, OptiPartner, for this purpose. We can get more out of our plants by, for instance, applying optimization, which is done by having a digital product looking at the different parameters on such a plant and um, adjusting them to obtain the most optimal process, which also means that we can optimize towards a higher energy efficiency even. That is something that we are implementing at the moment. But where it's really important is when you actually can simulate a process because that's where you get the, the, the most benefit from an operational standpoint. So what we have is simulation software like uh, we call it WinMod where we can simulate the conditions of a plant in operation. For instance, if the steam pressure suddenly drops, there we can simulate how the automation system actually would work. It also gives us the advantage that we can pre-test our software before we go to site and actually subject it to more or less uh, real conditions and make sure that the software uh, is doing what is intended. But we can also see that there's a need for knowing an exact maintenance schedule, getting the most out of the components. We're looking into that and have some components where we would like to see these digital solutions applied so we can obtain what we call predictive maintenance. We can simply predict then when do we need to schedule a maintenance stop. Uh, so that is definitely where we see this uh, industrial Internet of Things, IIoT, playing a, a big role in the future. In Denmark, you can find technological leadership everywhere in the food supply chain, often driven by collaborative effort. 
Within agriculture, Danish farmers have long collaborated to make the most of the limited land space that a small country can provide. Efficient production practices are the reason why Denmark now produces three times more food than Danes can consume, despite having some of the world's strictest environmental regulations. Innovative technology is creating exciting opportunities to do even better. Precision farming techniques and emerging robot technology are important next steps towards a green transition. Denmark's leading agricultural knowledge and innovation centre, SIGIS, is responsible for ensuring these new sustainable solutions reach the farmers. Lisbeth Henriksen is Director of Innovation at SIGIS. I met her in one of the historic buildings at Oagor Estate, built in the mid-1500s. Today, it is a shining example of modern Danish agriculture. Sagis is the organization where farmers have come together and joined forces in terms of optimizing resources available to produce innovation and tools and whatever knowledge they need to, need to know. And then we have this very unique two-layer system where we work together with local advisors and push out whatever we produce in Sagis to the farmers and implement it in practice. And that is a long tradition and a long history in Danish agriculture. It goes back several hundred years And that is one of the most important factors in terms of getting us to where we are today. We have huge challenges ahead. Um, the big one is obviously the climate agenda and becoming climate neutral. And I truly believe that we can do it. But obviously we need to work hard in terms of finding the solutions. We have really different issues depending on where you are in the production chain and also depending on what production system you have. In terms of dairy cattle and cattle in general, methane is the huge problem. And we have several initiatives in terms of trying to reduce that. We can either add something to the feed that can reduce the methane emission. We can try and genetically select with breeding and find the cows that have a lower methane emission. And finally, we try and collect methane in the barns and the stables and develop that into something else and avoid going into the atmosphere. There's a huge focus on healthy soil and getting uh, more nutrients back into the soil, both to make it more productive, but also in terms of getting more out of what we have in terms of available land. And then there's the last thing. It's uh, centered around nature and biodiversity. That's something that we need to find solutions for in terms of still having the productive land and create desirable conditions for wildlife and bees and insects. Towards the end of 2021, the Danish government set a new ambitious target for the green transition of agriculture. By 2030, farmers must reduce their greenhouse gas emissions by more than half compared to emission levels in 1990. The Danish food and agriculture sector was prepared. Just a few months earlier, around 300 scientists and industry experts had provided input for a new roadmap for the sustainable transformation of the nation's agri-food system. Sigis, the Universities of Aarhus and Copenhagen, and the Technical University of Denmark coordinated the work. The new government climate target has a huge importance because we need to come up with concrete actions that can actually feed into the goals. And one of the big things that we have come up with from Danish agriculture is this joint effort where we wrote a roadmap that outlined what we really needed to do and what we could do. And we also try to come up with a prioritized list of how to work with these different things. 
The uh, climate roadmap is really uh, quite a unique piece of work. It's the first time ever, I believe, that all Danish universities have come together and created this roadmap. And moreover, we have NGOs, we have interest organizations and commercial companies contributing into this roadmap. So this is really a very broad piece of work. Innovative technology in agriculture covers everything from new plant crops to GPS tracking systems for field management to animal genetics. When I asked Lisbeth what she sees as Denmark's particular advantage in the age of digital innovation, she doesn't hesitate. We have a long history of recording here in Denmark. Originally, we started recording because we wanted to keep a track on how we were doing. But soon, our farms became quite complex and we realized that some sort of automated systems or some sort of digital systems would be rather helpful. That's where we have really accelerated the last few years because we started actually utilizing the data that we have. So that is quite interesting to, to see how that is now being implemented in tractors, in machinery and equipment. Segus has developed some of these digital systems. We have a farm program called Mark Online. It's a management system where you could record all your data related to your crop production. Uh, on top of Mark Online, we developed a new product called Crop Manager. And Crop Manager is a precision management tool So that's where we tie in other sources. We tie in satellite data with the data that we have already recorded to generally just keep a track on crop production. So once we start to bring in other data and we start to use modeling, data modeling that can, for example, predict different things that can tell you here and here and here, there's a need for more uh, fertilizers, then your whole way of managing your uh, crop production becomes more precise. And what does that mean? That means that there's a, a resource optimization for the farmer, but it's also good for the environment and the climate because we use less. Uh, so there is uh, no uh, overuse, if you may. It's a lot more precise. This kind of precision farming software is now finding its way into some of the new field robots that are emerging as sustainable alternatives to heavy farm machines, taking the load off the soil and reducing the need for manual labor. Many farms today struggle with an increasingly acute labor shortage. In other words, any robot that can take over from people and perform more precisely and efficiently has a bright future. Agrointelli is the young Danish company behind Roboti, a fully automated flexible farming system that is now on its way to multiple export markets. Ole Grain founded Agrointelli in 2015. He's not in doubt that the introduction of robots is a landmark in the history of agriculture, much on the same scale as when farmers made the move from horses to tractors. Farmers are not reluctant, but they are careful. Primary production is a marginal business, so therefore they need to put in the money on the right place. And that's really where the investment in new technology, they, they are concerned if it's the right thing. But then we also know that as we could see it with the tractor, as soon as it showed them and you could see it working, and it was actually reliable and worked and gave you the, the benefits which you were talking about, then it really, it didn't take long. Over a decade, we saw a huge adoption of this new technology. And I think it's the same we're in front of right now. And we're just starting that journey in the transition from having to be in the field when you perform work to now being able to use automated equipment as robotics 
the optimization that has been driving a lot of new innovations within agriculture over the last half decade, I would say, is cutting cost. So how can we spend less minutes per hectare have been the main driver. You do as much work as possible per man hour. And that has driven us, especially in the North European part of the world, to very heavy machinery, where we start seeing other consequences of what we're doing. And that comes on top of the whole climate change debate. We are stressing the soil from our optimization point of view with big tractors today, with big machinery in general. And when we then have more variating climate with higher precipitation or more extremes, that also challenges our robustness of the soils. If there is one thing that Ola is keen to highlight, then it's that robot technology is not about reinventing the wheel. The focus is on automating farm tools that have been developed and utilised over hundreds of years and restoring that feel for the soil, which many farmers have lost while sitting in the cabin of a large, heavy-duty tractor. We've been looking at what works today and how we can improve that and especially improve traceability and, and data because when the farmer in the old days were managing one, two, maybe five hectares with a horse, then you, you knew your fields. You knew every square meter of your field because you were walking in the field behind the horse or the ox, could feel the soil, could see the soil. And therefore, the knowledge you had about your farm was completely different than today where you may be managing 500 or 5,000 hectares, but you're not managing them yourself anymore. You have people in the tractor. So that means you lose that kind of intelligence back to you as a manager, knowing how you can actually optimize your production. We are trying to introduce now a level where you don't need to be in the field anymore, but you can actually get back to obtaining the same kind of knowledge which we build up over thousands of years around our soils. One of the major benefits with robotics is they are rich in computing power. To be a robot, you need to be able to perceive the world where you're driving. So that means you need to have some cameras or some positioning system that help you know where you're at. But taking these cameras, for example, they also are able to look at the crops like you were doing as a farmer. So maybe you know where you're at and you can look for obstacles. But at the same time, you can see, is there stress symptoms in my uh, malting barley? Do you see diseases in your potatoes? Or do you see uh, uh, water locking stress in your vegetable? All of these are suddenly data that you can obtain because of the huge amount of sensors you have in your robots. So that means from we've been seeding and until harvest, a lot of new innovations coming in where we try to automate. So that gives us uh, higher precision and reliability in mechanical weeding, in spot spraying, disease identification. Also, what we can do with our platform is actually bring it all the way back from tillage and all the way to the harvest. We can today automate these operations. Years of multinational research have gone into developing the current robot system. Right now, AgroInteli is involved in 14 research projects and collaborates with 25 universities in Europe. The company has also helped found an international branch organization for agricultural robotics important for establishing new industry standards and a common framework for data sharing. Today's environmental and climate challenges have become a burning platform for the radical change that Orla believes must start with primary production. The heavy machinery we're using today compact the soil. That means we have less water holding capacity. We see the, even the soil microstructure being destroyed, leaving it more vulnerable to erosion, both from wind and water. We need to do it differently. 
And that's where the robot can help us from mitigating towards the changing climate. But the robot, when being smaller, is also an easy way to save energy. Our robots can run, for example, on 100% biofuels. We have robots on solar energy, on hydrogen. So there's a lot of these new technologies that enable us to save energy. But also for the increasing population of the world, we have better traceability. And most likely, we will also see improved production potential because that is one of the worst things we see from the compaction is that it also affects the yield potential. So yield quality and yield volume can increase if we really start putting back the agronomy into this work. And that's where we see the robots being an obvious way. At Segus, Lisbeth Henriksen quickly puts a finger on why a small country like Denmark is leading the green transition in food and agriculture. The smaller size simply makes it easier to get together and collaborate, something the Danes do rather well. We have always been in the forefront of new transitions, whether it's welfare, whether it's reducing antibiotic usage, whether it's reducing pesticide usage. And we've been some of the first ones to really announce that we would want to be climate neutral in, in 2050. Denmark is a huge export nation and for us to be relevant and for us to have the best product and the most relevant products in the future as well, we need to have that cutting edge. As an export country, it's quite important to always be one step ahead. If you're interested in hearing more about innovative technology from Denmark, you're more than welcome to get in touch with the Food Nation team. In the meantime, many thanks to Rona, Lisbeth and Ole for joining this episode of the Food Nation podcast. Remember, you can always find the latest news from the Danish food cluster on our website, foodnationdenmark.com. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.